Hi, Mariana. Thank you so much for being here. Hi, Alicia. It's a pleasure being here today. Can you tell me about where you grew up and what you ate? I grew up in Bogota, in, which is the capital of Colombia. And it's a city perched up 9,000 feet up in the Andes. And it was a pretty urban, urban life growing up. However, I had the gift of going out to the country on the weekends and over holidays to my grandparents' little farm in the flatlands near Venezuela. And we grew up eating arepas, which are these great, delicious corn cakes, pan de yucas, which are also a baked yuca flour and cheese biscuit, and lots of fruit, you know, lots of tropical fruit. I feel like my childhood was all about smoothies and juices and desserts and and kind of going outside and picking mangoes for the, from the trees. Right, right, right. And, you know, you write that you never wanted, your mother never wanted you to be a cook, but at 18, you were working at Sierra Mar in Big Sur. So, you know, what was it in your upbringing that led you to that at such a young age, too? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I realized pretty early on at about 12 or 14, 13, 14, that food had so much power, you know, and in my family, the table has always been the center of it all. And so I wanted to do something that really had a beginning, a middle and an end, you know, like that satisfaction that you get from cooking, that it's pretty, it's pretty instant. You know, you prepare a beautiful meal and you see it and the satisfaction from people enjoying it happens and it's right there. And so I wanted to do something that I was good at. And I started to feel a lot of pleasure from the process of cooking. So I sort of ventured into the world and against my parents' opinion back then um, and started cooking in restaurants and exploring that life in the kitchen. Right, right, right. And, you know, what What did you enjoy about it? What What kept you there? You know, I love the process, the meticulousness, the that exercise of finding ingredients and turning them into something, making that scene, you know, the beautiful plating, the ritual of the wine service. I love the dynamic, especially in the kitchen and in restaurants. I really enjoyed seeing how people would come to these fine dining restaurants to really have an experience. And we would orchestrate all of that from the kitchen and the floor. And I loved it. I love the rhythm. I love the discipline. Yeah. And kind of like it was all so in line. Right, right, right. And, you know, in that kitchen that you write about working in when you were 18, you had a moment where you're cooking potatoes and eggs in the same pot like your grandmother <laughs> did. And you were nervous that it wouldn't be okay that the chef would see it and be like, this isn't how you do this. But the chef was accepting of it. But, you know, it really, that anecdote that you tell brings up that difference that we think about between chefs and cooks, whether that's really real, you know? And so how, from your experience, you know, both working in, you know, home cooking and focusing on dinner parties and that sort of thing versus working in a restaurant kitchen, like how do you see the difference if there is one between the chef and the cook? I mean, the chef has a lot of structure, you know, and yeah. lots of rules and there's thermometers and timers going <laughs> off. And 
and things have to be this way because you need to have the repetition and the consistency. Right. And I feel that it's also comes from a sense of pride of doing your craft in a very precise way. You know, of course, I cannot speak for all chefs, but in most professional kitchens, it's really about that structure. And, you know, a cook, which I consider myself much more a cook than a chef, especially because I don't run a kitchen. Uh, it's, it's, you know, there's instinct that goes into play. And, right. you know, the other day, on my last trip to Colombia, I went on a road trip going from Cartagena to Barranquilla, a city cities on the coast. And we stopped for breakfast to have this deep fried arepa with egg. And this woman on, a side, on the side of the road in her little stand was frying oil in this big vat over hot coals. The oil was at the exact temperature she needed for the arepa to be perfectly crispy. And, you know, there's no temperature gauge. There's no thermometer. It's just she knows as soon as she drops that tiny piece of dough to test the oil that the bubbles are right. And so I feel that that's the difference, you know? There's no to <laughs> <Right. laughs> Well, you know, what made you make that leap from working in professional kitchens toward food styling? Well, I, after working at Prune in New York and beginning to explore the magazine world, I worked at um, the Recipe Testing Kitchen of Savoir Magazine. Later, I worked at Eating Well. And I found a really good just opposition of cooking, research, culinary history, photography, art that really fascinated me. It was all the things I loved into one profession that I didn't even know existed. You know, it was, I sort of find out about food styling being a full-time job from someone who mentioned it. Mm -hmm. And, and it was the perfect combination of all the things I love. Right. Right. And how did you develop your style as a food stylist? I, so how did I develop myself as a food stylist there? It was a little broken there. Yeah, yeah. How did you develop your style and your approach and, and, and where does your, your influences in that realm come from? So, I mean, I first assisted for at least three and a half years. I assisted different stylists in New York who taught me so much and I learned the craft and I learned how to find the great ingredients. I learned the, that set etiquette that you need to understand mm -hmm. to be able to perform on set and know who's who and what's what and what things are appropriate. And, and that research of amazing ingredients that make a photo what you want it to be. And so mm -hmm. over the years, I started to develop my personal style that I think sort of grew organically. You know, I, mm -hmm. I really have an obsession with botanicals, with things that are very organic and imperfect but have this beauty, this innate beauty to them. And it's all about the details. Mm -hmm. So, you know, right. I'm in awe of the textures of fruits and vegetables, the veins, the mm -hmm. colors, and really taking that and, and potentializing it for the images. Right. And, you know, you've worked on so many other cookbooks. You know, how, what was the process like for creating your own versus working on other, other people's books? I mean, usually when I've done work as a stylist for other people's books, the process where I take it from is really the recipes are ready, they're developed, they're tested. 
and they give mm-hmm. me the manuscript and then we do the photo shoot. So it's, I come into the process when it's pretty far, far along, right? And so yeah. for me, that part is about really communicating with the author and understanding where those recipes come from and what they mean to them and how to really present them faithfully to what they envision. And then for my own book, you know, I had to sit down and start to develop it from the start. You know, what are the chapters going to be? What is this book going to tell? What's going to be the story? And how am I going to choose those recipes? And so it was a pretty personal, personal exploration of going back in time and looking at those recipes that I grew up with or foods that through my years of culinary research have left a mark. Right, right. And, you know, it's a very organic and social approach in like, you know, you kind of feel that there are people at the table in all of the images, you know, like that there's not this sense if it's like happening, you know, divorced from the actual act of eating, like the act of eating is present in in the book. And, you know, even the way you describe making breakfast, it's kind of an event, you know, um, to like put on your kimono, I remember reading, you know, and so what was inspired you to make the book so social to bring in the playlists and the menus and 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 that sort of thing to focus on on the actual experience of being at a table well because for me it's all about the ritual you know like if it was just for nourishment we could eat granola bars and call it a day right like we don't really really need to set the table and and gather so it's really all about that and for the book And in Colombia, food, you know, it happens with many people and recipes usually make large batches and there's family lunches and people get together to eat for lunch, for dinner. There's all these events where we come together as a community. So I I wanted the book to feel that way and to really represent that ritual, that ceremony. Right, right. Right. And where did you actually test the book? Because you're using so many ingredients that are so specific to Latin America. Were you testing it in Brooklyn? And developing yeah. It in so Brooklyn? I was developing all the recipes in Brooklyn, tested all the recipes here, had different collaborators help me with the testing to make sure that in different cities in the U.S. you were able to find these, these ingredients. I had to make some substitutions. There were recipes that I was like, Instead of a substitution, I'm just going to replace the recipe because it just won't be the real thing. But I want this book to be approachable and the recipes to be familiar. And, you know, Colombian cooking is pretty humble. You know, nothing is out of the ordinary. It's fresh cheeses, it's plantains, it's mangoes, it's lots of onions and garlic and scallions and hot chilies. And so... I, I also selected the recipes that I felt could be prepared far from from the tropics, essentially. Right. <laughs> and <clears throat> in such a diverse cuisine as Colombia's, you really showed regionality. Like, what was the inspiration behind doing that? And also, you know, how did you choose the, you know, which which regions, which recipes, that sort of thing? So, you know, I chose recipes that really have a story for me, you know, either recipes from growing up and foods I ate at my grandparents' homes or recipes that I discovered on my trips of research and that have a little anecdote behind them. I wanted every recipe recipe to have a meaning and to have a backstory. Mm -hmm. 
And so, you know, the way I organized it, I sort of thought about the book through times of day. So in the morning, the midday feast, which is when most of Colombian traditional recipes happen, you know, like the big lunches are usually red bean soup, the ajiaco, the sancocho, which are served midday. And then the different moments, like the bits and bites of el algo, that afternoon little thing that you eat. And then kind of like weeknight meals, which I use as a, as a chapter called Colombianish, which are Colombian mm -hmm. ingredients um, with my own interpretation and that kind of New York influence, you know, which I've been here right. for 22 years and some of my mm -hmm. cooking definitely reflects the food and the style that I've learned here. Right, right. And <laughs> we just had a, I had a noise. Um, oh, I'm sorry. No, it's okay. I want, you know, one thing that people think, but, well, Colombia is very close to where I'm living in Puerto Rico. So like, but people think about very specific ingredients from this region and not, don't really understand the diversity that's available, like in all these, the, the very different climates, you know, there are like, I think in Puerto Rico, there are like seven microclimates, you know, where different things are, can grow. And I know Colombia has a, a similar, um, a similar environment, you know, and so how, was it important for you to represent the diversity of what Colombian cuisine is versus, you know, what someone from the States might have in their head, which might be just, you know, arepas, <laughs> which might, that might be the only idea, you know, like, how did you, what was your approach to the diversity of Colombian cuisine and making it, um, you know, uh, translatable to a book for everybody? So the way I did that, that was through the menus of the mm -hmm. chapter called A La Mesa, in which I took five different regions of Colombia and described everything about them. So, for instance, there's this one menu called Medellin's Only Season, which really celebrates that coffee region, the Andes, the, the beautiful Anturiums, the way people set the table, the furniture, the music. And so with these menus, my intent was to transport the reader to these scenes so that they could recreate those Colombian moments. And right. in each one of those moments, I highlight the regions, you know, but right. I left, you know, I left some regions out only because I didn't have a personal experience in those places. So I included the ones that really felt like home to me and you know right. hopefully in a future book I can explore other <laughs> moments in other regions but these were the ones that were closest to to my heart right of course and you know in the book it, there's so much women are present in a, in a such a significant way and why you decided to give the book an explicitly feminine title and and so I wanted to ask about the role of women and the role of the feminine in your experience of food and how why you decided to express it so in, in such a explicit way with with your first book so i wanted to really celebrate colombian women who are the backbone of our cuisine you know they're the carriers of our traditions in a country that has been through so much conflict the fact that we're still making sancocho and we're still maintaining some of those essential recipes, I feel that it's thanks to these women who run the households and, and, and maintain those flavors alive. 
And then here in the U.S., as a as a U, you know, as a Colombian immigrant, seeing other women who in New York work in food and carry those flavors even away from home was really it was essential to me. You know, my mentors growing up, he, you know, in Colombia and here in the U.S. were mostly women, and so yeah, I wanted to pay tribute. <laughs> Of course. Well, for you, is cooking a political act? Absolutely. I feel that with cooking, you make community. You bring people together to share each other's values, to to share the table, to debate. It's it's also the way you choose ingredients and where you buy them and who you support um, in that act. You know, it depends mm -hmm. on when you're, you know, Wherever your ingredients come from really says a statement. And so, yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much again for taking the time. Of course. Thank you for having me, Alicia. Yeah.